Well, one of the things that I'm most grateful for, and trust me when I say I have a lot of things that I'm grateful for in my life, um, but one of the things that I'm most grateful for is the fact that I've had, and still do have, by the way, good parents. Anybody have good parents? Uh, I'm really grateful for that, and, and I, what I realize is that when you're young, you, you think you have okay parents, but if they're really, really good parents, you don't really realize it until you get about, <laughs> until you get about 30 or so. When all the stuff that they told you and all the things that they told you not to do and all that stuff just really starts to make sense. Particularly when you have your own children, I'm really beginning to see just what good parents uh, that I had. And one of the thing, there's a couple of things that I really admire about them. Um, they, they were really able to take a little and, and make a lot with it. And I, I'm really thankful that they came from very, very broken um, beginnings and really uh, allowed God's work to do uh, a miraculous work in them and through them through miraculous work in our life. But one of the things my parents really, really, really impre- impressed upon us children is the, 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 the real significance and importance of choosing well, of choosing well, of making good choices. And some of you know my parents' story, but you know that my parents made terrible choices. Uh, when they were younger, um, they ran the streets, they didn't take their education seriously, they got into a lot of trouble with the law. And so because of that, it really made life difficult for them. And even when we came along, they were very clear with us that their poor decision-making had a negative impact on the way they could raise us, on the opportunities that they can give us, and even on just some of the financial sort of implications of our life growing up. And they were really clear and on record with us that they had made some really poor decisions. And because of those poor decisions and because of the consequences that came to bear of those poor decisions, they really... Uh, really stressed to us the importance of choosing, choosing well. And even as I'm 33 years old with three children of my own, one of the things that I really, really stress to my little ones is the importance of choosing well, of managing their anger well, managing their disappointment, and through all of that, making good decisions. Every day, the class is in session with these little ones. And even every single night when I pray with them, when I get the opportunity to pray with them, one of the ways I conclude our prayer each and every night is, Lord, help them to make good, and I pause, and they're supposed to say decisions, right? And they say it every single time. If they say it too low, I repeat it so that hundreds and hundreds, possibly thousands of times as they grow up, they'll be reminded of the importance of making good decisions. Why is this important? Why is this important? It's important because one of the hardest things to do in life is to consistently, don't forget about that word, to consistently say yes to the right things and to say no to the wrong things. I'll say that again. One of the hardest things to do in life, doesn't matter what age you are, doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, doesn't matter your place or station in life, one of the hardest things to do is to consistently say yes to the right things and consistently say no to the wrong things, right? It's not hard to have a moment of wisdom or a moment of prudence or a moment of self-control, right? To choose well, but it's hard to do that over and over and over, multiple times a day, each and every day. That's one of the hardest things that we'll ever do is to consistently make good choices. 
And I'm glad our young people are in here today because every time I get a chance to speak to young people, doesn't matter whether you're school age, whether you're high school, whether you're college, whatever, I just want to impress upon you guys the importance of making good decisions, reminding you that every single decision matters. And I think we can truthfully say that not every decision is equally important. In fact, some decisions are really important, more important than others. Decisions like how seriously you take school, young people, or how seriously you take the friends that you choose, or your career path, or how you consider who you'll date and who you'll marry. But none of these decisions are more important than how you choose to manage your soul. None of these decisions are more important than how you choose to manage your soul. And here we sit on Baptism Sunday, which is a huge Sunday for us. We make a big deal out of baptisms around here because one of the things that's happening on this day is that people are choosing to do something fantastic, choosing to do something significant, choosing to do something worthwhile with their souls. And it's because of that reason that we get really excited about baptism because baptism signifies a major turning point in the life of a believer. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 27, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Well, good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And basically what Jesus is saying to us today, it doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're old. It doesn't matter whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been in the faith for a long time. But basically Jesus says anybody who chooses to hang on to their life, Anybody who chooses for whatever reason to try to pull the strings of their own life and to call their own shots, that person will ultimately lose their life. But those who would choose to lay down their life, to give their life up for the sake of knowing Jesus, for the sake of being a participant in his kingdom and a participant in what he wants to do in the earth, those and only those people will find it. He continues to say, that what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and in the end of all of that, in the end of all that business success and in the end of all the running around and dating whoever you like and calling your own shots and making lots of money, what difference does it make if after all of that you forfeit the most important thing and that is a vibrant, rich, satisfying life with Jesus on this side of heaven and on the other side? He says, what is the point if you lose all of that? And so what Jesus is asking us to do, again, whether you're young or old, he's asking us all for 100% of our heart, 100% of our affection, 100% of who we are. This is what Jesus is asking us to do. Now, here's the beauty of that. The beauty of that is that everybody can afford it. Everybody can afford it. Everybody can afford 100%. If I said, hey, run up here real quick. And give me $100, everybody. This is just an exercise. I'm not actually asking for $100. If I say, run up here, some of you will have it, but some of you won't. Some of you won't be able to afford it. But if I said, hey, run up here real quick, give me everything that you got in your pockets. Give me 100% of what you got. Every one of us 
whether we're excited or not about that proposition, each and every one of us can afford it. And so this is the beauty of what Jesus offers us. Here's the challenging part. It's 100%. It's 100%. It's everything that you've got. And so in short, Jesus is asking us, he's inviting us into something beautiful, but he's challenging us, he's, in, he's asking us to do what? To go all in. To go all in, to, to push in all of our chips, all the chips of our heart, all the chips of our resources, the freedom and ability to make our own choices, to, to go our own way. He's asking us to go all in with him. And here's the challenge that we have as we live in this fallen Western culture. And this is at every single stage of your life, something or someone will be convincing you that you can do it at the next stage. That there's something about the current stage of your life where it's not a real good idea to surrender your heart to Jesus. So if you're in here, you're a young person, you're of school age, somebody would say, oh, you're just four, you're just five, you're just six, you're just seven or eight. Listen, at this stage of your life, you just want to focus on being a kid. Now, when you get to middle school and high school, you can understand things a little bit better. You can just really give your heart to the Lord there. You can focus on that. Somebody's always going to be convincing you to put it off. But guess what? When you get to middle school and get to high school, some joker's going to tell you, listen, you're a middle schooler, you're a high school. Listen, now is the time to really focus on your school. You're probably at the height of your social life. At least it'll seem that way. And it's this really good idea to focus on just being a student, focus on hanging out with your friends. You know what? And when you transition to college, right, you'll be more mature, and then you can really start to focus on Jesus. And guess what? You get to college and somebody says, listen, now's the time to buckle down and study your books. Maybe you might meet the person you'll marry. And so when you really get, sort of get into the career world, you know, post-college will be really good time to start to focus and take serious. Guess what? You get to that stage and what happens? Listen, you're getting your career off the ground. This is not really not a good time to engage. Just listen, when you settle down with the family, you'll need to take the kids to church. And that's a really good opportunity to settle down. You have more free time. This is a lie, right? You have more free time. Your mind will be clearer. It'll be easier then. And guess what? You have kids. And life goes crazy. And all the time that you thought you would have, you don't have. It's harder to do it then. And so somebody says, listen, when the kids get out of the house, then, you know, you can really start to focus on it. And, you know, you can, and then just the stages pass by, and it's always an excuse to push it off. And here's what Jesus says, go all in right now. There's never going to be a better time. There's never going to be an easier time where you have less to think about and less to worry about. Jesus is saying, go all in right now. And I would submit to you that those who have chosen to be baptized today, that's what they've chosen to do. They've chosen to go all in. And today I just want to call this talk, Baptism all in with Jesus. Doesn't matter what age you are. We got young people being baptized, older people being baptized. It doesn't matter what age you are. What Jesus is requiring is that we go all in with him. And so what I'm going to do today is just basically explain baptism, why baptism, what's baptism all about. And so I think for those of us who don't really understand what it's all about, I think you'll be better able to celebrate with us as these people take the plunge today. Also, I think there are people here today who've never heard the gospel before in a comprehensive way that's understandable. And some might choose today, after hearing the gospel, to engage this for the very first time. And we get really excited about that. Some might even be bold enough, after hearing the gospel, they might want to respond to it. And guess what? You will have the opportunity 
to get baptized today if you like. But you say, hey, I didn't bring any clothes. Guess what? We bought some extra ones. And so if you decide today that you want to get baptized, listen, we will dunk you. We'll hold you down there for as long as you want us to. That's probably not really selling this very well. But we're going to talk about baptisms today. We're going to look at a little passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 2. Turn there really quickly in your Bibles or turn there in your phones, your electronic devices. And we're going to have a good time with this today. I'm so glad you're here. Let me say a real quick prayer before I get into this. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this crowd of folks who have gathered, Lord, some to be baptized, others to witness and celebrate, and some, even though they don't know it yet, Lord, this is the setup. You have them here because you got some stuff that you want to do in their life, do in their heart. And so, Holy Spirit, would you fall in this place, fall on your people today. Lord, I pray that you would power in these words you've given me to speak. Will the preacher out of the way so that your truth and your light might shine through? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2. This is Peter preaching to the early church. And Peter says this, let, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So this is a, this is a fantastic occurrence here that we see uh, in the book of Acts. See that Peter is preaching, and basically what Peter is preaching about is the thing that all good preachers talk about. They talk about Jesus. They talk about the work of the cross. They talk about the sacrifice that was made and the beauty that comes from knowing Jesus. So Peter was talking about this. And so the scripture tells us that it pierced their hearts. In other words, it landed on them in a meaningful way. They heard the words of Peter. They heard the words of Peter as he talked about Jesus. And something about what Peter said, something about what Peter said, connected with their hearts in a meaningful way, and they were drawn in. They were drawn in. And so for those who are truly drawn in, they had a very appropriate response, and their response was this, what should we do? In other words, how should we respond? And Peter basically tells them, the way you respond is you repent, you turn to God, and you get baptized. You get baptized. And so because of this, uh, we identify this as a unique way to respond to the work of the cross, to what Jesus is inviting us to, we engage and baptism. And so as we engage in baptism today, before we actually do the baptism, I just want to go over the basics with you, right? The basics of baptisms. And basically, baptism is a response to the gospel. It's a response to the gospel, the good news. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I pass on to you what was most important, what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scripture said. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, this is the basics. This is the essence of the gospel. This is what Jesus is asking us to respond to. That he loved us, this broken, fallen, sinful world, so much that while we were yet in our sin, while we were still sinners, we hadn't cleaned ourselves up yet. Many of us hadn't even heard the gospel before. But while we were yet in our sin, still in our mess, still very far from him, Christ died for us. God sent his son to die for us. 
to take upon him the penalty for our sin, the price that we're supposed to pay. Jesus took that upon him so that we might be free, not just be free, but to live the abundant life starting now, and that abundant life will continue forever and forever in eternity. This is the basics of what we're responding to. This is the good news. And some of you hear that for the first time. You go, wow, that's really cool. That's a really good deal. But what on earth does being dunked in some water have to do with any of that? And that's a good question. And so you ask the question, why baptism? And the first answer to that very helpful, very important question is because Jesus said so. That seems really simplistic. It almost seems dismissive. But as you come into the family of faith, you ought to get used to doing stuff simply because Jesus said so. I remember as a boy growing up, my sister would burst into the room, and she would say, clean this room up. And I would say, you clean the room up. Get out of here. Right? And then sometimes she would say, daddy said clean this room up. Now that changes everything, doesn't it? I get up. I'm scrambling. How long ago did he say it? What, did he say anything else? Right? Because when she attached that very important daddy to that sentence, daddy said it made a difference, right? And so in the same way, when we engage with nice, helpful things to do, almost seems to be some option involved. But when Jesus says it, it makes all the difference. And so let's ask ourselves what Jesus has to say about baptism. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, now this is post-resurrection. Right? Jesus came as disciples. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Get this. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, it'd be one thing for Jesus to say this prior to uh, his death and resurrection. Jesus still is the man. Still been working miracles like crazy. But when this guy steps out of the grave, right? He's killed. Everybody saw him killed. Everybody saw him buried, and he gets back up, all of a sudden, he's got some extra weight behind his words. He's got some extra authority. Anybody that dies and comes back, I want to hear what they have to say. I'm going to assign some weight, some value to what they have to say. So Jesus steps out of the grave like a boss, and he's got words for his guys, right? And what he says to them is, go make disciples, go preach the word, go teach these guys, and on the back end of that, baptize these disciples. And if you're having a hard time understanding the significance, and even when you hear the explanation doesn't make sense, at the end of the day, Jesus might say to you, he might say to you, just do it because I said so. Just do it because I said so. And so I think it's really important, and especially it's important for those of us who follow Jesus, particularly those of you who are at the beginning of your journey, especially those of you who are about this tall sitting here today, you want to get comfortable being obedient. You want to get comfortable responding quickly to what the Lord has to say. I have something to say to you that might be upsetting to you, particularly those of you who are like me, who like to understand things, who like to have um, um, some understanding about things, who, who hate mystery and hate ambiguity. Some things that Jesus will ask you to do won't make sense to you in the moment. They won't make sense to you in the moment. And if we go beyond that moment, some of them won't make sense until you get on the other side of this thing. And so what Jesus wants to know is, will you obey him? Will you say yes to him even though you don't understand it? And so what we do to to, to help this along is to faithfully point these things out to you in Scripture. We do that in here. 
We also do it uh, with our children when we're teaching them in children's church. But Jesus said to do this, and that's why it's so vitally important. The other reason why we do baptism is because baptism is a response to what Jesus has done, and God always requires a response. God always requires a response. And Jesus, in essence, and he even plainly, clearly says this, he says, come and follow me. Now, that doesn't mean physically come and follow me, although the disciples that he was calling at the time did physically come and follow him. But Jesus is basically saying to us in all of his words and all of his deeds and all of the examples that he gives us, basically he's saying, come and follow me. I've called and you will respond. Everything Jesus asked us to do, everything he asked us not to do is in response to what he's done. And what has he done? He's given his life for us. He's paid the penalty and price for our sin. And as a result of that, Jesus asks us to respond to him. And baptism is one of the ways that we respond. Another answer to the question, why baptism? Baptism is a choice to be identified with Christ. A choice to be identified with Christ. And before we think that's strange, just consider the truth that we all regularly uh, attach ourselves and identify with lots and lots of things. Some of you uh, are parts of fraternities and sororities, and I see you wearing your jackets with your letters and stuff like that. Listen, you, through wearing that stuff, you, you're identifying with that. You're saying, listen, this is part of who I am. I'm affiliated with these guys. Some of you love your sports teams, even though they don't do well all the time. Some of you love your sports team, and I see you wearing your sports apparel, you're wearing your Cubs stuff, and Maybe you're wearing some sock stuff, and maybe you're wearing bear stuff and, and bull stuff, and what's the other one? Blackhawk stuff, right? <laughs> Terry's got on his Blackhawk shirt right now. Um, but you're, you're, you're identifying with them. You know, you go someplace, you want to say, hey, this is my team, right? Some of you identify with your alma mater. I know there's a bunch of U of I graduates in here today. I'm not sure who else is in here, but it doesn't really matter. U of I graduates <laughs> in here today. You got a couple in the back. Tony back there, Alicia. I could go on all day. We moved here from Champaign. I brought half the school with me, right? But we wear our Illinois gear. We identify with them. And some of you identify with this church. I mean, you buy a shirt, some of you will get the new design that comes out uh, next week because you want to identify. This is my church. These are my people. I like them. I love them. This is my posse, right? And so I think all that's good. I don't see anything wrong with that. But some of us are, are really afraid to be identified with Christ. I mean, we don't mind it in here because we're, you know, in front of the home crowd. But some of us don't want to be identified with Christ in a meaningful, costly way. And I just would say to you today that it really doesn't come in that color. It, it really doesn't work like that. And what Jesus is inviting us to, 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 to be a part of is a life with him. And part of what he invites us to do, actually demands for us to do, is that we go public with it. And that we be willing to stand up and say, yeah, that, that's, that's the team I'm on. That, that's what I identify with. Paul says this in Romans chapter 6. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? That's a good question. He continues, verse 3, Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, 
now we all live new lives. And so basically what Paul is pointing to is the reality that baptism is symbolic, right? It's symbolic. It's symbolic of being buried in a watery grave and being raised to new life again. I know some of you never knew that, but baptism is symbolic. It's a watery grave. You go down and you come up new. Now, if the change hasn't happened in your heart, if you go under the water, when you come up, you're just going to be wet. But if what's happened in your heart already is that you've died to yourself and that you've engaged a new life with Jesus Christ, oh, is baptism significant? Oh, is it meaningful? Right? Why? Because we're identifying with what? Christ's death. Because Christ's death is what paid the price and took on the penalty for our sins. And so we're connecting with that. We're leaning into that. We're engaging that, usually doing that in a public place like this to say, listen, this is what I'm connected to. It's a symbol of what's happened already in your heart. Now, as we talk about what baptism is, I think it's very important to talk about what baptism is not. Baptism is not the means of salvation. Again, if you you haven't received Christ when you went under the water, you're not going to come up uh, being connected with him. Again, you'll just be wet because it's an outward symbol of what happens inside. Christ has paid the price for our sins, and believing Uh, that that was done, particularly done for us, and that we can receive that promise is what brings us into a new hope and a new salvation with Jesus, not water baptism. Baptism is also not a requirement for membership here. In other words, we don't require you to be a member in order to be baptized here. One, because we don't want to attach any attractive thing to to, to, to baptism such that you might do that in order to get this. This has to be a standalone choice that you make to be identified with Christ through baptism to receive the wonder of his love, and to live your life for him for, uh, for the rest of your life. This has to be a conscious choice that you made. And anything we can do to take pressure off that, anything that we can do to make that a real standalone decision, we try to, we, we try to help that along. And so it's not a requirement for membership. And so I also think it's important for us to explain that we participate in a particular mode of baptism. In other words, the type of baptism. Some of you are from different church traditions, and you know that they do baptism differently. Maybe they sprinkle, or maybe they do something else. And so um, our mode of baptism is immersion. In other words, we, we, we put people under, right? When we bring them back up, or we, we put them under the water, and we bring them back up mainly because that's the way we've seen it done in Scripture, mainly because we see that it's a symbolic of being buried and being raised to new life in Christ. And so uh, we choose uh, the method of immersion. Some have asked in the baptism class if we baptize children. We don't baptize children here. We do child dedications. I think there's one uh, that we're doing this summer. But we dedicate children to the Lord, which is more uh, uh, significant for the parents than it is for the children. Basically, the parents saying, I will raise this child in the way of the Lord, but we don't baptize infants, mainly because we believe that this is something that needs to be done as a choice. The person being baptized needs to be able to make that choice. And so we're not stepping on any other church traditions. We're just saying that this is how we do it here. So our mode of baptism is immersion, right? And so here's some specific details about how we're going to walk this out today. So at the conclusion of this message, I'm going to say a short prayer, and we're going to begin musical worship. And during that time of musical worship, I'm going to dismiss the baptism candidates. They'll go through that door. They'll get changed, and they'll come back in you know, their swimwear or whatever. Um, and then they'll have an opportunity to share with you a brief testimony. I'm basically asking them, why are you being baptized today? And they're just going to give you a minute long, not a, a minute, not a, not a second longer, 
um, just a little minute spiel about while they're, why they're being baptized. Or some might even opt not to share that. But after they've all had an opportunity to share, we're going to continue with worship music, and we're going to baptize them as, as the music plays. And this is going to be a fantastic opportunity, man, for us to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of many of these folks. Some of them are, have made, recently made decisions to follow Jesus. Uh, many of them have made decisions to come back to faith as a result of reengaging Christian community and seeing the Holy Spirit do a work in their life. And so, listen, we couldn't be more proud of these guys, couldn't be more excited, especially the young ones that will get baptized today. Now, I'll also say this today. Some of you might be here today, and you might say, you know what, why can't I be baptized? Philip, when he was uh, hearing the gospel for the first time, hearing the word of the Lord being uh, described to him, he asked, he said, he asked, he, um, the Ethiopian eunuch asked, hey, why can't I be baptized? Why can't I take part in this? And some of you might be saying, hey, I want a piece of that. I want to take part in that. But let me tell you this. If you're here today, and you've heard of the word of the Lord, or God's been working on your heart, and you say, yes, I want to be a part of that. I want to get baptized today. Listen, the way you do that, where's Ramon? Ramon is right here. If you want to get baptized today, would you just talk to Ramon? He's going to ask you a few questions just to make sure you understand what's going on. There are, you said, I didn't bring any clothes with you. There's some extra clothes, right? That might not be a great fit. Um, some of them are mine, you know, and so they might not be a great fit, but you can use those clothes today and you can get baptized if you want to today. And so the last thing I'll do before we do that is I just want to pray a prayer. And I actually want each of you to pray this prayer with me. And so what this prayer is, is this is just a prayer of faith. This is the short prayer that we take people through that um, are engaging in a relationship with Christ. And you might say, I've already prayed that prayer. I already believe. Well, would you just go along with this today? Because what I want to happen is I want everybody to pray the prayer. And some people might be saying that prayer for the very first time. Some people might be connecting with Jesus for the very first time. Some people might be coming back to faith today. And so I want to take a little bit of that pressure off. And I want to say us all to say that prayer together. And if you've said that prayer for the very first time, if you accepted Jesus in your heart for the very first time, listen, we don't want to embarrass you and make you come up and tell your whole life story, but would you just come and talk to me after, which means just let me know what happened today. And if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time today and you'd like to be baptized, I encourage you to engage that. So would every eye just be closed, every head bowed as we pray? And worship team, you can come up. And would you just repeat after me as, as I say these lines? Lord Jesus, I'll start over. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have lived for myself. I have chosen my own way, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me, Lord. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died, that you were buried and that you rose again on the third day for me to pay the price for my sin. Come into my life. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, listen, welcome into the family of Jesus Christ. We're so happy for you today, and we pray that God's Spirit would rest upon you and move upon you.